0: People say, what's your advice for starting a startup? And my first piece of advice is don't. Don't. You'll probably fail. So can you say your name, your title, where we are? Didier Elzinger, CEO and founder of CultureAmp in our Melbourne office. So how do you build a company? You write down a really naive business plan You launch your first product, you move to another city, you bring on three co-founders, you kill that first product and launch another one, you kill that product and go back to another idea that you'd had earlier but didn't think was a good one at the time, you hire your first employee, you get your first customer four weeks after having the first idea, you bootstrap that to about a million dollars in revenue, largely by winning most of the companies in the Valley as your customers, you do a $6.3 million Series A out of the valley with the, the guy that helped uh, shepherd Google Analytics, and he joins your board. You open an office in New York, you raise a $10 million Series B, you open an office in London, and voila, you have about 1,000 customers, you have about $10 million in revenue, you have about 100 people, and you have all these amazing companies around the world that you work with. And you've built this platform that makes it easy to collect to understand and to act on employee feedback.
1: That's the overview taken from one of the early moments of Didier Elzinger's talk at the Sunrise Conference hosted by Blackbird Ventures in Sydney. Back in May 2017, Didier is the CEO and one of four founders of CultureAmp, a company with offices in London, New York, San Francisco, Founded and still running its headquarters here in Melbourne. Not long after the conference, Culture Amp completed its third funding round, a Series C. Total venture capital investment so far is over $36 million from leading investors in Australia and Silicon Valley. Currently, they're a bit over 10%, maybe a bit more, of an early goal Didier set out five years ago but they're certainly on track to achieving it. I'm Courtney Carthy, and this is Scale Up, a podcast by Launch Vic, where we talk to global startups created right here in Victoria. LaunchVic is Victoria's startup ecosystem development agency. Its role is to help build the infrastructure for entrepreneurs and startups right here in Victoria. Over the series, we'll hear about closing venture capital deals, what it's like to employ over 100 staff when only a few years ago the company was a collection of laptops, and the unique experience of doing it all from Melbourne. In this episode, the coming together of Culture Amp's four founders Didier, Rod, John, and Doug, the early hurdles and understanding a bit about the product. Here's the current and official description of exactly what culture amp is CultureAMP is a platform that
0: makes it easy to collect understand and act on
1: employee feedback if you haven't already please subscribe where you're listening to the podcast it's the easiest way to get new episodes as they're published at the end of the series expect a couple of bonus episodes with extended interviews from some of the people we chatted to
0: I was actually forced with this choice. Do I keep building what I'm doing, or do I try and do something different? Do I try and do something bigger? And it was actually one of the hardest decisions I've had to make. I mean, I was the CEO, I was CEO at 26, I was the CEO of this startup that had become this global visual effects company. It's all I'd ever known. There was a huge opportunity to keep doing it, but something inside me wanted to do more. Something wanted to get out there and create something bigger.
1: Part of the trigger came from a friendship forged in 2009 with the founders of Atlassian, the software giant started by a couple of guys from Sydney.
0: And the way I actually made the decision uh, is I I went home. Has has anybody watched the film Baraka? Anybody in the audience? A few people. Good. If you've seen it, watch it again. If you haven't, you have to watch it. It's a 70mm film by Robert Frick and it's... There's no overt storyline, there's no dialogue, it's just images of the world. And so I put Baraka on, I took a six pack of Cooper's Pale Ale, and I sat down and I decided that by the time I got either to the end of the film or the end of the six pack, I would have a decision on whether I was going to go leave and start a company or not. It took one beer and about 10 minutes.
1: And it was then he wrote what's become a totem for growth of the company.
0: 10,000 by 10,000 equals 100 million. That was the company I was going to build. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what the product was or anything. I just had this desire I wanted to build something of scale.
1: With the desire came the frustration. Conditions changed under this pursuit as his family set up in Melbourne and Didier got to work. You know, just sometimes it's it's like you wake
0: up and you look around and everything's messy and, you know, what am I doing to myself? Why is this so hard? Um, And, you know, to have gone from... You know, being the CEO of of Rising some Pictures and you know having being at the forefront of this 150-person company, doing all this stuff all over the world, and you know we had beautiful place in Adelaide that we uh, in Parkside, and so it was a little bit of like you know we gave all of that up for this. Is this was this really the right decision? Okay. And the thing is, you at that point you just don't know. You don't know where it's going to work. Like you're like I you know I'm, I did it because I think it's important. Uh, you know it's already been at that point. I don't know. It was a year and a half, two years. And you're sort of thinking it to yourself, is it going to turn around? How long is it going to take?
1: Maybe never. You know, At what point do I realise, do I you know, give up my pride and go work for someone else? Thankfully, in the persistence of it all, Didier met Doug.
2: Hi, it's Doug.
1: I was actually working at uh, uh, one of the banks. I'd been,
2: been an employee of one of the banks for about five years before that. ended up in a, an enterprise architecture team where I met one of, a, one of my co-founders for Coltramp, uh, John Williams. Um, So he and I were working together and uh, working on some of the projects together at the same time Um, and through the time there I guess we both were getting pretty fed up with a lot of the politics that goes on in large organisations and um, so we'd we'd constantly go out for for drinks after work and and complain to each other about how shit the, the work was and all the things that were going on at the time and uh and I guess those discussions kind of got further into talking about well why don't we just quit and do something on our own try something on try something else um, so eventually we uh, we decided to do that and um, started working on a completely different startup um, idea so it was one it was called a it was a collaborative domain modeling tool so it was a it was a tool that was supposed to it would have been very useful for us in our current role in the enterprise architecture team so the idea was it was a a modeling tool that helps you with, um, with architecting solutions really. Um, so we worked on that for a couple of years, but we did the typical engineer thing of, um, focusing entirely on the tech, doing no business development, doing no, no customer, um, research or, or or pretty much anything related to that side of it. So a couple of years later, um, we, um, we had some really cool tech and nothing more than that and uh, the build it and they should cu- they, they will come approach didn't work We uh, met Didier who's our CEO and, and co-founder for, for Cultramp and um, he'd been he'd been basically the sole founder of a, of a little company called Cultramp that had one employee himself and he'd been working on a uh, performance review product and so at around about the same time that John and I, were uh, were deciding. Okay, we've done this the wrong way. We need to start again on the different idea and and start it with some actual business research. He was kind of uh, saying, "Well, I've actually been doing all this business research. I haven't got tech. uh, I haven't got anyone focusing on the tech side." So, we ended up kind of banding together and bringing Rod uh, Hamilton in as well at the same time. Uh, so Rod and I had met through, through the bank as well. He'd worked on one of the projects as an external consultant at one stage. And uh, John and I had been trying to convince him to come across uh, to our startup for, uh, for quite, quite some time. And uh, it, was, it was about the same time that uh, we met, met Didier and probably, to be honest, Didier's uh, um, convincing skills that, uh, that brought jo- finally got Rod across the line and, and got him to come and join us.
3: Um, they were kind of in, in my ear about, come on, let's try something, let's try something. They had a bunch of ideas. They were working on their own idea already. I probably lacked the, um, the courage initially to, to throw in a, a, a well-paid day job and, and, and start my own thing. Um, and then they sort of eventually wore me down but that um, coincided with when we met Didier who was already working on this idea of how can you use software to better scale culture and help help managers and individuals in organizations. And this idea really resonated with me personally because, I mean, my background was enterprise tech. I was working on these um, long running projects that would go for several years, hundreds of employees. They would always go over budget, over schedule. And it was never ever the technology that was the problem on these projects. Um, We could always brute force our way through technology technology problems but it was always the people side of these projects that actually sort of determined success or failure. So when we met Didier and um, he talked about this hey let's write some software to help organizations better learn and um, manage people Um, I was super excited because it was a problem that I felt hey that would have really helped me as a manager in these uh, these projects and then I mean put simply I, I, I trusted the people I was starting the business with Um, I felt like uh, we all had our own talents in different ways and together as a a group we were more likely to be successful than if it was just one or two of us together.
1: Culture Amp started out at a desk in the old Inspire 9 co-working space. Back then that was in Cremorne, an inner city, very small suburb of Melbourne, and Rod remembers it.
3: Back then it was Inspire 9. It was actually a... um, It was like a two-bedroom apartment in Cremorne. my desk was right next to the, the, the toilet um, in, the, in the
1: apartment, so, yeah. so it, was, uh, it was intimate. Intimate's probably the, the, the right word to use. Sitting nearby was Dr. Michael Cameron, working on his own startup, a comprehensive global trip planner called Rome to Rio, one worth checking out.
4: We're at Inspire 9 at 41 Stewart Street, Richmond, opposite Richmond
1: Station. This is the new Inspire 9, the one that still exists today. It's much larger, much nicer, and it's also where Culture Amp landed their first big client, Adobe. But that's another episode.
4: Yeah, so the atmosphere in the Cremorne office was really scrappy. It was very much a startup space. It was crowded into a pretty small office that was shared with the Inspire9 digital agency. Um, It was people with laptops at desks. There were there were random people there working on on random different projects. Uh, Didier was there. The other co-founders of CultureAmp were there as well, and I think they really sort of met and started networking, and that's when the the genesis of Culture Amp happened. But it certainly felt felt very scrappy and start uppy in those early days. Um, but I remember being quite impressed by Didier when I first met him. Um, we had a lot of conversations about building a technology startup here in Melbourne, and I think that's one thing that. Is really exciting um, when you're building a, a startup in Melbourne like Rome Trier or Culture Amp. You're looking for your cohort, you're looking for people who are doing the same thing. And there's not a huge number of people building tech startups in Melbourne. So when you find someone else uh, doing something similar, you sort of latch onto them and you start trying to milk as much information from them and they're trying to milk information from you as possible. You're trying to learn from each other. Yeah. And I think that's one of the really great things about the sort of. Um, Victorian startup ecosystem is that there's a lot of, uh, there's a really great attitude to sharing and a lot of, a great attitude to just being really open with other co founders and discussing different ideas around what's working, um, what are the challenges that you're
1: facing building a business. Committing to Culture AMP together meant leaving jobs. Didier had left his, had a beer and seen some of Baraka. Doug and Rod and John also let go. Here's Rod.
3: Just bought a house, just had a baby um, yeah it was um, it was it was an interesting position it was and I think you know a lot of people I remember when i when I gave my notice where I was working um, I think a lot of people thought I was a bit crazy they said um it's a really weird time to try this rod because you've just had a baby and you've just bought a new house um, so um, it just seems strange well I actually took a little bit of confidence in one of the business owners where I used to work um, actually said to me, well Rod, um, the timing here, this is exactly when they started that business at at Unico. Um, One of the owners was like, they just had their baby, they just bought a house and it seems like a crazy time to do it but I mean, when when is a really good time to do that sort of thing? Um, For me personally, I've been thinking about it for a long time and um, even though it was quite a big risk to start a business and, you know, say I'm not going to take a salary for a while. Um, After talking with a lot of those people that are heavily involved, so my wife, um, talked to her a lot about it, talked to my brother and my family a lot about the decision and kind of came to the realisation it was a riskier thing for me not to try it than to try it at the time because worst case I could always go back and talk to them and see if I could get a job back if things went really pear-shaped and um, opportunities to work on a problem that I was seriously passionate about with people who I thought were really talented individuals, those opportunities don't come along every day. And I remember there was one stage I think after we finally decided to kill that first product when we had a, like a group of us, we had a chat about whether we all go and start doing some consulting Um, and I think that was sort of the first time I was like, oh, wow, we actually started this company and there's a serious chance we're all going to go our separate ways now. Um, and um, fortunately, we decided to do some consulting, bring some money into the business and have another crack at it. But um, yeah, that, that was a, another point of you know, doubts whether we could be successful at this idea.
0: as co-founders, um, Rod, Doug, John and I, uh, we weren't friends before. You know, We didn't have any background. It came from, I sat next to Doug and John for six months working on my startup, they were working on their startup. And then we decided to join forces. And so what was actually interesting is that our whole experience together has just been founding a company. We weren't drawing upon any previous experience really. It was just doing it together. And I think it's one of those things where you sort of make the decision that you're in it, boots and all, and then you just have to figure it out. I can't really add a lot in terms of how you find them because ours was just kind of sort of seemingly random. Well, not random, but it, it just happened. It wasn't a, you know, I didn't sit down and draw up a list and then go find people that matched the people on my list. I just happened to sit next to Rod and Doug for long enough that we looked at each other and said, hey, shouldn't we be working together? I mean, the thing that's really good is it's different on every thing. So it's not like, you know, I'm this voice and somebody else is that voice. Um, when when we were looking at something like winning an Adobe or going after an Adobe Doug and Rod would often be taking the, okay, how are we going to do it like what are the things that need to be built or what are the things that might not work Um, Rod particularly will work through all of the things, let's enumerate all of the things that we have to think about and make sure that we've actually got a plan for everything that Needs to be done. Um, John and I tended to be more, I don't know if impulsive is the right word, but we would sort of go, okay, we think we we have a sense of what we feel like we need to do. And uh, Doug and and Rod would sort of break that down and say, okay, but what about this? What about that? Um, But on different decisions, we will reverse positions so there'll be something else where one of the four of us will be more like no i think we should be doing this it just feels like the right thing to do and somebody else will be breaking it down saying yeah but what about this what about that so that's actually been one of the really great things as the four of us is that we don't we switch sides we don't it's not always john and me versus doug and rod It'll, it'll often be two people on one side and two people on the other side but it's very rarely the same people and you kind of you know we did have difficult times um Along the way, things where we've agreed or disagreed on a couple of things, things occasionally got heated. And they're interesting because they're the first time, it's it's like in a relation time, the relationship, and the first time you fight, you're like, okay, now what do we do? <laughs> and it's different for every group of people. And I think what's been great with, with the four of us is that maybe because we were all a little older when we did it, we were like, all right, whatever it is, we have to figure it out. Like there is no walking away there's no other option we just have to figure it out and so you sort of sit down and say okay uh, you know I know you're angry with me and I'm angry with you let's talk it through And, and that's actually one of the areas where I think having four has been beneficial because if there was only two and you had a fight like that you'd go sulk in your corner and then somebody has to you know be the first person to come in and make it better when there was four at any one time there might be somebody who was disappointed or upset or frustrated there were three other people that could help bridge the gap, reach out, play peacemaker, do whatever.
3: You go through these these stages where you get almost like false positives that this idea is working. And I remember I, I, we won our first customer. I, I, I did a call and sold our first customer. I think it was something like six hundred dollar subscription for the year or something like that and it was this it was this massive moment and then we didn't win any other customers for months beyond that and um, you keep getting new companies using the software but none of them are actually willing to you know actually pony up the cash for it and I think you always tend to like in those early stages you always tend to I remember talking to my friends and they ask how your business is going and you say things like oh we've got 30 companies using the software and you feel really good about it, but it actually isn't amounting to anything. You've built something, you've got people using it, no-one's willing to pay for it.
1: As you'd know, this situation didn't last.
0: So much of things that have turned out to be successful for me, it was just turning up, like being willing to turn up. So somebody, you would meet somebody, I'd meet somebody in Sydney when I was living in Adelaide uh, at some event or something or other, and then something would come up and they're like, oh, are you in Sydney on this particular weekend? Because meeting with this person or that person... And I'm like, yep. And I would just go. And other people I knew would just not even consider that. They're like, oh, no, 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 I'm not in Sydney. Or I can't go to Sydney. It's like, well, why not? Like, it costs you a couple hundred dollars to get on a plane and fly over there. And maybe it's nothing and maybe it's something. You you just got to turn up. And that was a lot of how we got our clients in Silicon Valley. We just turned up. Turned up and knocked on the door and said, here we are. (laughs) And I remember somebody actually, I I won't say who it was, but someone in the... uh, in the uh, Melbourne startup scene it early on said to me, um, you're either naive or arrogant. I was telling him what I wanted to do. And he said, you're either you know, naive or arrogant. And I said, actually, I think I'm both.
1: <laughs> in the coming episodes, there is heaps to cover. We'll hear from Culture Amp's very first employee. Hey, it's Jason from Culture Amp. Definitely got that full startup experience right from the get-go. Didier is the headline speaker at an event that needs a language warning. Didier, funnily enough, was the very first name we put down when we were um, thinking about a list of speakers that we wanted to speak at fuck-up nights. Culture Amp gets an email from Adobe and a term sheet arrives in a Sydney taxi.
2: So he has this conversation, he gets off the phone, and he says to us, um, he says to us, we've been given a term
1: sheet. To get the next episode, subscribe to the podcast where you like to listen and let a friend or colleague know about the show. From the team at Culture Amp and those in their space, there are some great stories and great lessons from the rare experiences they're sharing right now as it continues the phenomenal growth from their Queen Street office in Melbourne.